You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features an update from Washington and issues of county concern at the federal level. Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer recently joined a meeting of county leaders facilitated by NISAC to provide this update. Today we're joined by the distinguished and honorable and friendly Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to provide an update straight from Washington, D.C. That's right, our Majority Leader. And congratulations to you, Senator, on earning the respect and the trust of the 49 Senate colleagues of yours from across this great country. To recognize and introduce uh, Senator, we'll go to the NISAC President, the Honorable Jack Marin. Senator, good afternoon. And again, uh, to reiterate what Steve said, congratulations to you. Certainly can't think of a, a, a more well-deserved individual to be thank the you. majority leader. So thank you. And uh, as always, you've been a true champion throughout our 2020 and again into 2021. So at this time, Senator, the floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you, Jack. And thank you for always uh, greeting me and with great hospitality shows you the bipartisan nature of the fight for our counties and doing everything we can do. Whenever I show up in Jack's County, he's always there and always hospitable with the whole group of bipartisan folks. So thank you all for that. Uh, I appreciate Steve wearing a Yankee hat. I am a Yankee fan, have been since I was a little boy. People say, how come you're from Brooklyn? You don't move for the Mets? It's because there were no Mets when I was a little boy. There were just Yankees. And um, uh, I will say in the NF, in the football, I am a giant fan in the NFC, but I'm a Bills fan, not a Jets fan in the NFC. So uh, as Poland Cars knows, and he's waving his fist. Okay, it's good to be with all of you. Um, and uh, I want to get right to it. Usually, well, do I have time for a brief story? I always like to tell a story. January 6th, the best of times, the worst of times. That's how Charles Dickens opened up A Tale of Two Cities. That was for me, January 6th. As you may remember, the Georgia elections were January 5th, but I didn't know the results till early morning of the 6th when I learned that the two Democrats had won and I would become majority leader. At first, my first reaction was enormous joy. All of you have worked hard and when you work hard to achieve a goal and you finally achieve it, the feeling of pride and joy wells up inside of you. But within a few minutes, I had another emotion that course through my brains and it was one of awe. Not all like awesome, you know, my daughters when they were teenagers, gee dad, that's awesome. But rather awe in the biblical sense. When the angels saw the face of God, they trembled in awe. And I was almost trembling in awe of the major responsibilities that had been placed upon my shoulders. With this COVID crisis, with so many other changes and problems that were going on in society, the responsibility of helping our, our state as well as our country get out of it weighed heavily. So I went to bed at 4, 4 a.m. had those two emotions coursing through my brains, got in the car, drove to D.C. at 7, got there at 1. I was on the floor of the Senate for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes as putative majority leader when a police officer with a big bulletproof vest and a submachine gun strapped across his waist grabs me firmly by the collar, I'll never forget the feel, and says, Senator, we'll leave in here, you're in danger. 
We walked out a corridor. If any of you watched the impeachment uh, trial, they had this in there. I hadn't seen it before. So they show me walking out of a corridor and then three seconds later, I'm running back the other way because I was within 15 feet of these awful people who invaded the Capitol. So it was the best time, worst of time. Um, what a day. But um, now still here fighting the fight and I wanna talk to you about what I care about, local aid. Uh, I believe in our counties, I believe in local aid. We did pretty well last year in this crisis the enhanced FMAP that we secured in the second COVID bill uh, delivered billions of dollars in relief to the states and the counties. And I hope you saw this, Steve, and let everyone know, President Biden, at my urging, agreed to extend this funding. So you're gonna get some more money. In addition, according to the state budget briefing book, last year, New York state agencies and authorities received $27 billion in federal aid money. Let me say that again, $27 billion in COVID relief. Even in the last bill where we couldn't get direct state and local aid because Leader McConnell and too many of his people were opposed, we managed to find other ways to get the aid, education, transit, hospitals, and health. Um, so we had that. Then we did another good thing. So President Biden, again, I urged him, did what I had asked President Trump to do, but he wouldn't. He announced the federal government will pick up 100% of the local FEMA share. That brings to date about $30 billion in New York for that bill. And of course, that doesn't include the relief that went to directly to other places, you know, schools and hospitals and things like that. But we didn't get the direct local aid that you and I fought for. We got a little bit of that in the first bill, but it was only limited to larger communities. Poland Cars is smiling, Molinero is not because his county was too small. Poland Cars County was too big, but we're not gonna do that again. We're gonna get everybody the money. So Poland Cars and Molinero can be smiling and everybody else. Um, so he, he, even though uh, the previous Republican majority refused to budge, as you know, in the CARES Act, we did get all kinds of funding, education funding, state administered rental assistance, money for transit agencies and airports, FEMA disaster money, childcare money. But now that I'm majority leader, my top priority is critical state and local fiscal assistance that uses the, a formula to give you direct relief to municipalities of all sizes. We're not gonna say the local aid should go through the governor or through the state because you have trouble getting it sometimes and that's been your watchword. We have in this House bill, which I helped put together, $350 billion for new state and local coronavirus relief. That's direct aid. 60% of the assistance goes to the states, that's state government, 40% directly to localities. And local governments of every size uh, are receive dedicated allotments. The funds will be awarded within 60 days of the enactment of the bill. For those of you, I don't know what your budget times are in all of the counties. That's something I guess I should know, but um, no, I should, I'm just joking. Um, but in any case, uh, the, we expect the bill to pass mid-March. So 60 days after that, should this provision pass, and I believe it will, um, we will uh, you will have the money. We've also made the uses of the funds very flexible from replacing 
replacing lost, delayed, or decreased revenue as a, a result of the pandemic, but also help to rebuild your local economy, which is pretty broad and should be pretty useful to you. It means you can use funds to help small businesses and nonprofits, to use it for struggling industries like tourism, to invest in economic recovery programs. So it's all good and you can use it very flexibly. Let me break it down. States in the total amount of funding receive 195.3 billion, 25 billion um, is equally divided. Each state gets a certain amount and 169 billion on unemployment. And that's good for New York because our unemployment is considerably higher than the national average. Most of the money goes on unemployment. New York State directly to the governor and the legislature's coffers would be 12.6 billion from this funding stream alone. Now the state gets a lot more money, much more than the 15 that the governor has said he needs. Um, because they get money, significant dollars, I think it's eight or nine billion for education money, money for mass transit, money for other things. New York State will get a total of $23 billion um, through the various streams, but 12.6 of direct money to them. The others are money to them too, but it's for certain purposes. Local governments receive 130.2 billion. 65 of that is based on a modified CDBG block grant formula broken up the following way. 45 billion for municipalities with populations of at least 50,000, 19.5 billion for municipalities with populations of less than 50,000. The allocation is capped at 75% of the locality's most recent budget as of January 20th. And then there's another 65 billion to the counties based on population. So what would New York's local governments get under this plan? $10.6 billion. And in addition, as I said, we're expected to receive close to 23 billion in direct and state local aid. And that's not the addition, that doesn't include the additional edu education, transportation and others, the 233 is the 10-6 you get and the 12-6 the state gets, okay? So we also have more things in this COVID relief bill than just state aid. We're trying to get the direct payments that you people got $600 now to get another 1,400. So they get the 2,000 that were promised. The December bill, again, our colleagues on the other side of the aisle didn't want to extend it. We extend unemployment benefits or $300, there's 69 billion in the last package um, that went to vaccines, another 160 billion for vaccines. And let me just tell you about that for a minute. Biden has a great plan. He's gonna set it up. He's gonna have the federal government administer the vaccines. When you ask the state and local governments to do it, a lot of them don't have the money to do it. Then they don't know when the vaccines are coming. It's a whole big mess. So Biden is going to set up thousands of vaccine centers run by the federal government. The people, the popular, the, the people working there would be FEMA, National Guard, and 100,000 new healthcare workers temporarily hired. And there would be many fewer restrictions. You could just line up and get the vaccine. Right now, these restrictions are a pain in the neck. They slow down the process. People go online for three hours and they're then told they don't qualify. And so this is a great plan and they're greatly upping the number of vaccines that are made. So 
the predictions vary. Some people think it's as early as July. Some think people think it's as late as November. I tend to be the optimist and think it'll be the earlier day. But soon, relatively soon, there will be enough people vaccinated that we can go back to life as normal. Also in the new bill is a hundred and, let me see the exact amount. They have so much numbers in here um, that, but of the uh, 160 billion or so um, goes to here, 170 billion to education. The goal here is to open schools safely as quickly as possible and have every school open by September. Because you know what a disruption that's caused in your constituents' lives when they have the kids at home, it is so, so difficult. Um, there's also more money for rental and mortgage assistance so people won't get kicked out of their homes. And we are passing, you may have seen this, the Restaurants Act. A lot of the restaurants in your counties are going under. They can use the PPP, but that's not good enough for them because they've been hurt badly. So the first amendment I put on the floor as majority leader was the Restaurants Act, bipartisan. I try to get bipartisan whenever I can. And this was introduced by Kirsten Sinema, Democrat of Arizona, and Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi. That money is a six month grant program to our restaurants. It's very similar to the act I passed for our arts groups, our stages, our movie theaters, and all of that. And we got them 15 billion and save our stages. And it's a similar type program. It's a six month grant. So hopefully um, it'll pass in March, finish by September and then COVID will be over. If not, we'll have to extend these longer. But we also included more nonprofits to be available um, uh, here. Um, the PPP eligibility will extend to YMCA's Habitat for Humanities Goodwills. There's three billion for tourism and travel set aside. There's more money for Save Our Stages. And many of these things were passed in a very bipartisan way. We did have some trouble in December, um, but we passed a bipartisan bill then. We're hopeful this bill can be bipartisan and there are certain pieces of it that will be. But our number one goal is we have to get the money to you. And if we can do it in a bipartisan way, and I would urge your Steve to get all the county organizations across the country to say how badly you need the state and local aid, because that's where we do need more bipartisan. In the restaurants, to save our stages, the vaccines, we have broad bipartisan support, but we need support on the state and local aid. And uh, they say it's blue states. My guess is half of the people on this call are Republican. So it's not blue or red. It's People working, it's the people who work in your governments who we need to hire. So we shouldn't make it a partisan issue. Okay, with that, I, you, have, you want a few questions, Steve? We'll be right back to the discussion after this brief message from our sponsor. There's nothing that taxpayers like to hear more than that we were able to save them one or two million dollars by investing their tax money prudently. We needed a company that could serve both rural entities of the state, but also urban ones. And so all 57 counties could be served. Three plus one was that vehicle to get that done. Uh, there's nobody like them. And it's a truly a unique program that no other company or service can provide. Prior to this relationship, we earned a little less than $300,000 per fiscal year. We're now earning that per month. 
Senator, thank you so much. I've been talking with uh, county executives and taking questions for them in anticipation of this. Okay. Got a couple of questions to ask you. First one coming in from Mark Polencars, who's with us. Uh, Senator, will the Senate pass the House version of the reconciliation bill with the formula that the Oversight Committee included? We're most su supportive of the formula to distribute aid to the counties in that legislation. What do you think the timing looks like to get this deal uh, to President Biden for his signature? Okay. First, I, I really wrote that formula, along with some help from Senator Gillibrand and uh, Congressman Delgado. So that's a formula we wanted to make sure, because in the first bill, too many small localities were left out, and now they are all in. Um, and even the money for people below 50,000 has to go to you. It can't be used for anything else. So we have our towns and our villages and our counties, everybody getting money. And that's a good thing because you won't need it. When should it, as, well, what are the chances it stays in the Senate? We're fighting real hard. We do have some senators. As I said, we have almost no support on the Republican side. So please Republicans, let your fellow county execs and county legislators in other states know how important this is to so many states and to so many Republican areas. Um, but, and we are, but we're trying to line up every Democrat to be for it. Uh, we're making good progress. I'm gonna fight very hard and I'm optimistic we can keep this formula as is. Uh, Mark Polkars, did you wanna add anything? Uh, just first off, Senator, thank you for all your the work you've done. And once again, congratulations on your elevation to majority leader. Uh, it just goes to show your standing among the conference, but on behalf of us, not only with NISAC, but the National Association of Counties, I know you've been out in the forefront fighting for uh, local government aid. And I know that uh, we we all appreciate it because we're not out of this battle yet. We're still dealing with COVID-19. We have the issues with vaccines. So uh, this assistance will truly make a difference for all counties across the United States. So thank you. Thanks, Go Senator. Bills. <laughs> and the beauty is it's flexible. It's very flexible, much more than you got aid the last time. It wasn't as flexible as it should have been. This is. Senator, next question I wanted to ask you uh, just came in to me here now. Uh, your thoughts on the reopening of the Canadian border? Oh, well, yes. Very important. I know this affects a whole swatch of New York State, mm -hmm. all the way from Clinton County to Erie County, and probably even down to Chautauqua County as well. Um, and so we are working really hard. You know, there was a lot of animus between Prime Minister Trudeau and President Trump. And I'm, I think that sort of shaded into this border fight, which I think is beyond where it has to go. So I've already talked to our new Secretary of State, as well as our putative, the soon-to-be Secretary of Commerce, about how important it is to get that border open up as quickly and safely as possible. And I think you're going to see some changes um, coming along. Uh, they mm -hmm. seem open to understanding how important the border is to the economy, you know, from Maine all the way to Washington State, including a large swatch of New York. Okay. Thank you, Senator. Next question is, uh, Senator, if you're successful, uh, and we hope that you are, can you please ensure that broadband and rural cellul cellular is an eligible expense with the United States Treasury as a qualifying expense for the COVID relief funds, the state and local funds in particular, so long as it is related to COVID? This is coming in from Warren County, Ryan Moore, County Administrator. Hi, Ryan. I know him. Where is he? There you are. Yep. 
Yes, and um, we are trying to first put in extra money for broadband. In the last bill, there was seven billion. In this bill, there'll probably be more uh, that goes to the states and uh, localities to bring broadband to two groups, mainly rural and a lot of inner city people. Those of you who represent counties that have in, you know, larger cities don't have broadband either. Franklin Roosevelt said in the 30s that electricity was a necessity and he got every rural home wired. Well, we think broadband's a necessity. So in the larger infrastructure bill that will come up next, the Build Back Better, there's a plan to have every home get broadband. But in this bill, there will be significant dollars that the counties can use to wire people up for broadband. And again, the uses, it's, it's not as, you can't just pick any old house, but it does have a lot of flexibility. And uh, we know how important it is for the kids in school. We know how important it is for the hospitals. We know how important it is to live in modern society if you don't have broadband. Okay, Senator, also, uh, I know you have to leave here, but just a couple of quick questions to, to, to round out today's uh, presentation. We have the local health commissioners on with us here as well today. We have nearly 100 chief elected officials, county executives, county managers, county chairs of the boards of supervisors, county legislatures. We also have doctors and public health commissioners and public health directors from all the counties. They're so appreciative of what you have done. Uh, the question coming in from Dr. Kevin Watkins from uh, Cattaraugus County, the president of the New York State Association of County Health Officials, is dealing with the CDC recently announced funding for testing for vaccine administration. Uh, as the state of New York puts together its budget and work plan for this funding, it's critical that a proportionate level of funding be allocated to local public health departments for the work we are doing to conduct the points of dispensaries, providing or linking to testing to ensure equity in the process. It would be great if disseminating some funding to local health departments was a required component of the CDC as we move forward to pursue, uh, to pass through these funds to the local. One of the problems we face, not so much with counties, but when you get more local, is no state has the same structure. So it's very hard to write a federal bill you know, we have towns, other places have townships, we have cities, other places have cities that are part of the county and not separate. It's all crazy. So that's why the state is often the place to go. But what we try to do is put restrictions on the state money so it has to go to what it's used for. Having said that, uh, the CDC has extra money and they, um, we have pressed them to use that money for local health departments. Um, we're aiming to give them much more money for local health departments in the upcoming bill. And CDC has a good idea of how these health departments work. So if you didn't do it, you know, as a direct formula, but gave CDC some discretion, um, that will work. And I'd be happy for any of the health departments here in our state, once the CDC gets this money to weigh in and help them get some. Terrific, thank you. The last question generally is on the build out of public health infrastructure. And what can our local health departments do to help inform uh, the initiatives that you're working on around public health? So sort of a general question about discussions involving public health at the federal level. Yeah, well, what, what COVID showed is how we need much greater public health infrastructure, both physical and human. And um, there's $8 billion in the ARP bill uh, to support public health workforce. 
that's underfunded. It has 20 billion, as you know, to go to localities and states for vaccine funding, which can also build up. And um, the uh, first COVID, the, the bill we just passed had $50 for tracing, testing, and COVID mitigation. Mitigation is a very flexible word. And when you get those dollars, you can use it to help build up your public health infrastructure, as long as there is some link to COVID. Senator, uh, anything across your desk regarding community colleges and higher education? Yeah, in this bill, we give, I think it's $30 billion less. In the first CARES bill, I got money for our colleges um, because they're suffering. And in this bill, I think there's, I got the, I have to look up the number. Mm -hmm. I think it's 30 to $40 billion for our colleges our higher education institutions. They're very happy with what we're doing. Okay, uh, questions have come in here about uh, trying to give CDC funding. They're overwhelmed with all the work they're doing during this pandemic. We have some health commissioners talking about the need to properly fund the CDC. I'm sure that's across that's your desk. get a big increase in the next budget, absolutely. That CDC was decimated last under the last administration. And a lot of the people, when they didn't want to go by the science, left because they're scientists or they believe in science. We need to build CDC back up. The new commissioner that was appointed, I think, is a great choice. But we're going to, Congress is going to give CDC a lot more money. That was Dr. Burstein from Erie County asking right. that question. Senator, to close, we'll go to Matthew Chase, the executive director of the National Association of Counties. If he's with us, he wanted to give a special thank you for all that you do, all you're doing for us. Yes. Great. Thank you. And thank you, Senator Schumer. On behalf of the National Association of Counties, I just wanted to underscore to NISAC and the New York counties, you, you talked about it, but you kind of undersold your, your role that in the last, really since July, there's been an, an intense fight at the national level. How much money should go to state governments versus cities and counties? And it was Senator Schumer who stood in the room with his team and made sure that counties would get a direct allocation, that this proposal would provide $65 billion, as the Senator said, to counties directly from the federal government bypassing the states down to the counties. In New York State alone, the counties would get $3.8 billion. I'm looking at the chair of Warren County, Chair Seaver from my home county, and I'm sure she could use $12 million to invest, and Ryan's probably already working on the plan. But it really was an intense fight. We still have a lot of work to do to get through the House and the Senate, but I just wanted to make sure that the New York State counties understood just how you fought for county governments and how you've always really respected the roles and responsibilities. Executive Poloncar serves on our National Executive Committee and is constantly in our national discussions. And we really do just wanna thank you for not only serving New York's counties, but all counties across the country. Just thank you. Okay, well, here's a great way to thank me. Wherever <laughs> I go, I talk to people. They don't have any idea what I'm doing and how I, what I've done for people. That's just how it is. They're, they got, they're busy with their lives and their jobs and everything else. I would like each county executive, or if it's a county ledge, to send a email or whatever to all the employees and anyone else in the county who's on your list and just say, Chuck Schumer's going to bat for us and getting us money. Um, that would be very helpful to me. So when I walk into uh, Warren County or I walk into Cattaraugus County, some county person will say, thanks. They don't know. And it's always helpful to me when they know. So will you raise your hands if you're all going to do that, please? 
Okay, thank you very much, everybody. Steve, it's your job to make sure that job gets done. Yes, sir. Thank you, everyone. I love you. I will keep fighting for you. I believe in you. And I will continue to visit every county every year, as you know. I did it last year with COVID, and we got some catching up to do, but uh, we intend to do it again. Okay? So I'll see you all once COVID's over. Hopefully, there'll be enough time to still visit all the 62 counties. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Senator. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in to hear more insightful interviews on policy and innovative solutions at the county level. And feel free to reach out to our staff if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast.